0: Chapter 2. Saddle up, sail forth. Skycadia was up in arms. Literally, people were actually throwing their arms in the air. Something had just fallen on them. That's not exactly a common event for a people who live above everything. Everyone had the same questions, but no one had any answers. Well, not actual answers. Deep in yellow cumulo lay the headquarters of the Sky Police, a sprawling complex covering the majority of the eastern coastline. Within its walls lay the office of Skycadia's chief protectors, the Air Marshals. When I want to hear a ridiculous fancy about small robots from the moon, I will most assuredly remember to ask for your opinion. But until then, Councilman Walls. Air Marshal Thorpe Carver. One-third of the Sky Police leadership board stood at his desk, his skyphones ringing off the hook. He had spent the last two hours being badgered by theories, formula, and some real out-there speculation as to what had befallen the Trans-Sky Bridge earlier that day. His patience had always been thin, but this incident certainly wasn't helping it any. Two years to get back on our feet, and now the flaming Trans-Sky Bridge goes and gets hit by some unknown force we didn't even know existed.
1: Thorpe. Would you like a Sky Mallow? It'll help.
0: Ms. Melsby. I'd appreciate it if you kept your confectionery to yourself.
1: Hmm. Well, you're missing out, and I've only got four left. You know how long it takes to ship these from Purple Stratus.
0: Air Marshal Rhoda Mellowsby, the second of three officials to govern the Sky Police since its reformation. A learned and laid-back woman with absolute authority over the organization's Sky docks. I cannot stand just sitting here, doing nothing until there's another attack.
1: Now, we're not doing nothing. Repairs and reinforcements began less than an hour ago, and it's possible we'll have the bridge back to full operation in less than a month. The surplus supplies left over from the initial build will speed reconstruction along nicely. And if whoever did this
0: launches another attack, then what, what, Miss Millsby? What do I tell the people then? Don't worry, we'll just fix it up again. Ah, the Cumulu Press will have a field day with that one. You're assuming this is an attack? For all we know, it could be an act of nature we've never seen before. Mike Maelstrom, once the most daring member of the Sky Police's first patrol, he had accepted a position as the third and final member of the Top Brass following the destruction of the Black Blood Dynasty. For those few unaware, he was also the father of Reb Metal. Maelstrom did not you have a renegade son to reign in before you come marching in here pretending you're more than just a figurehead? Now, now. Someone's got to keep the Sky Council and police talking to each other. That's precisely why you need a liaison like me around. It's not as easy as it looks, you know. That puzzle priestess can really tire a man out. As for Reb, I've got my best operative on the job.
1: Did our priestess send any new comics for me?
0: As a matter of fact, yes. Today we have the 43rd issue of Prince Patronizing. The most fearsome tongue in Pavlova land. Oh, Pavlova. Oh, goody. She added the issue to a significantly large stack of others right there on her desk. Next, offering Mike one of her Sky Malons. If you two are done exchanging gifts, perhaps we can return to the matter at hand. Thorpe, you can whine and whinge about this all you like. Fact is, we don't have a clue what we're dealing with here. None of us do.
1: And the only way we could find out would be to go to the source.
0: Something not even our most advanced skyships could do. Frankly, Thorpe, this goes beyond and above us. Whatever that thing was that hit us, wherever it's from, is somewhere we have no knowledge of. There's only one thing I really hate about you, Maelstrom, and it's when you're right. Far to the south of Yellow Cumulo, lay the eastern land of blue alto and further south still lay a little known corner of skycadia known as the dolphin's tail dotted with small islands at varying heights one could spend days mapping the various ins and outs and still not cover it all the perfect place for a band of sky pirates to lay low make sure we've got plenty of that skyfish oil Last thing we need is for our gears to dry out before we get to Green Zephyr. Reb and his crew had docked on the westernmost island. Deep within a sprawling mountain range lay something the crimson-haired captain had longed for all his life. A secret pirate base. This was Crisscross Cove. Nestled beneath the exotic flora and fauna, it rivaled the size of a small village. No less than ten log cabins... Three rope bridges, and of course a sizable docking port for the crossing dream. It truly was the ultimate Sky Pirate sanctuary. I'd say we're good to go, Captain. Done already? That's why you keep me around, boss. I'll say. I've always wanted a real captain's coat and hat of my own. Hmm. Your old wares had a certain rustic charm to them, though. This one's a tad... gaudy.
1: Yeah? I vote the new threads. That old hat smelled like
0: rotting zephyr moss. It was made of rotting zephyr moss. What? Uh, uh nothing, nothing. Uh, so, Magnus, how much did we get for whisk? We're gonna need a whole load of coinage for when we find Madforge. More than enough to save even his overzealous palate for sky gold. Mary, who was balanced precariously atop a nearby barrel of skyfish oil, decided to voice her concerns.
1: Still say it's a bad call. That Madforge is, well... Mad?
0: It's in his name, you know. Ugh. No one asks you, Stark. Well, Mary, if you know of anyone else with access to a deep salvage pod, then by all means, throw them on the table. Table? What table? The table is a metaphor. Metaphor? A metaphor is a figure of speech. There isn't an actual table. Rather, I'm asking you to present us with an alternative suggestion. The three crew members looked at their captain in utter disbelief. What?! though I've been taking a crash course in advanced literature. Yes, but none of us expected you to actually succeed. I'm with Magnus on that one, boss.
1: Dang, did I really join Reb Metal's crew? You're sounding more and more like an imposter every day,
0: Captain. Reb folded his arms, giving them a sour look. It was clear that his newfound love for literature wasn't appreciated here. All right, you punks. Remember who's in charge around here. We ship out at 7 a.m. tomorrow. No questions.
1: Ugh. But that's so early. I'll never get the kitchen stocked by then.
0: Fine. We'll make it 8 then. But that's it. No more changes to the plan. It's set in stone. Actually, Leroy and I were planning on giving the green zephyr maps a quick rundown before heading out. I'd appreciate a little extra time to make sure we don't end up on a protected skyway. 9 a.m. it is. Stork, any reason we can't go at nine? No, I think that's quite reasonable to set sail. At least I got one of you guys on my side, right? Good night, folks. And whatever you do, don't stay up late playing the pinball machine again. Aw, man. Reb marched to his cabin, his oversized pack slung at his side. The others made for their own lodging as the cold night winds began to blow. Reb's cabin was furthest from the shore, at the highest point of the cove, A small rope ladder provided access to the stilted structure, a feature that had been added more for show than practicality, like most of the bells and whistles throughout the entire cove. Hours went by, but Reb found himself awake reading one of his many comic books. No. Don't do it, King Cobra! Your power pack gauntlets aren't strong enough to bend star-charged ore! His ramblings were soon interrupted by a polite knock at his cabin door. He hopped out of his hammock and opened up for his guest. King Cobra... again. Oh, hey, Uh, come on in, Magnus. His first mate did so, placing Leroy on a tall golden beaver statue, a feature made exclusively for the resident feline Sky Pirate. He just couldn't sit still on anything else. So, what's up? You having second thoughts about meeting up with Dr. Madforge? No, on the contrary. I think it's a perfect plan, provided your theory is correct. I'm telling you, Magnus. I know what hit the Trans-Sky Bridge, and it wasn't some random falling rock. Reb uncorked a bottle of sparkling water, pouring them each a drink. Reb, you know that's the fizzy stuff, right? Hey, we're pirates. Gotta live a little. Magnus shrugged and took a swig, the bubbles tingling on their tongues. It was a ship. It's gotta be. Nothing else could distort cloud particles like that. And if it can damage something as sturdy as Spanner's skybridge, then it had to have made it to the surface intact. Let's say you're right. Let's say it is a ship. Let's say it didn't get stuck amongst all that debris. And let's say it's on the surface. In one piece. Why do you want to find it? Seriously? You have to ask... Isn't it my job to keep our captain in line? Reb grumbled, avoiding Magnus's gaze. Hearing these concerns aloud did make his version of events sound a mite less plausible. Maybe. Sometimes I need some honest resistance. I concede it's far-fetched. Very, 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 very far-fetched. On the other hand, what you're saying makes a heap more sense than the official story. Magnus threw a ragged newspaper onto Reb's reading desk, eclipsing the 72nd issue of King Cobra in the process. It was the Cumulo Corner, the most popular and sometimes even accurate set of Skycadian news articles this side of the Altonian cloud bank. Oh no, not a newspaper. You really need to get over your fear of grayscale printed media. Magnus! Look at it! It's like someone drained all the color out of a perfectly good comic book. Where's the fun? Where's the vibrance? Where's the life? They did start a four-panel comic strip a couple weeks back. It's on the back cover. In black and white, I'll bet. The two stood for a moment. Silent. Ahem. There's a reason you brought this here, isn't there? And it's nothing to do with the back page comic strip, is it? If I may. Please. Magnus flipped to the center double page, which featured an extensive article on the Trans-Sky Bridge disaster. Here. Invading object is believed to have been an oversized sky panther shark that chanced to swallow a floating mine left over from the Black Blood Dynasty's forward defense line. Oh my gosh, that poor panther shark. Wait, what? That's stupid, no! Who's gonna believe this rubbish? They have no clue what it is or where it came from. And with the skybridge debris blocking the only conventional entrance to the surface, they've no way of finding out. Reb glanced between the article and Magnus, ensuring he hadn't missed anything, then hurriedly rolled up the paper, returning it. So you're saying you agree with me? Yes, I'd stick my neck out and say I agree. Though I do have one question. Uh Uh-huh. Why the interest? You think it'll be worth something? Nah, come on, Magnus. How long we've been sailing together now? Just shy of 18 months. Then you gotta know me by now. The three pillars of red metal. One, steal when you need, not when you want to. Two, if you see some hurt, you stop it. No questions asked. And three, if it ain't been done yet, hurry up and do it. I don't care what that thing was. I just want to know where it came from and how to get there. You must be so bored. You get the slightest hint of a mystery and start running headfirst at it. You bet I do. Well, I can once again confirm I joined the right crew. Sure it wasn't because of the infamous Red Wave destroyer of the dynasty? Well... That's certainly how I first heard about you. (laughs) Uh, It's a pretty lame name, I admit. The night came and went. Before long, the crossing dream was underway, only thirty or so minutes later than planned. Stork had gone fishing during the night and clean forgot the arranged cast off time. That aside, the journey to Green Zephyr was well underway.
1: So what do you know about this Madforge guy? I only ever heard nasty rumors about him cutting off Sailor's limbs for those weird tests of his.
0: Dr. Gustus Madforge, founder and captain of the Finn Factory Pirates, was one of Yellow Cumulo's most notorious criminals. He's been around since before the Dynasty occupation and leads an entire fleet's worth of Skyships. A
1: whole fleet? Under one guy?
0: Quite. Not the type of sky-pirate you want to get on the wrong side of. As you said yourself, he has a rather unwholesome hobby that involves relieving people of their limbs. I heard he fought on par with some of the Dynasty Admirals. Gonna come right out and say it, some of those guys were not as tough as they seemed. Trust me, I was there.
1: Huh. And he's the only guy with the gear we need.
0: Bingo with a capital B. So, Everyone remember that we're on our absolute best behavior once we find him. Hopefully we've got enough in the cache to get his attention. Provided he's still in green zephyr, we shouldn't have too much trouble finding him. His personal flagship is rather... unique. As he finished, Reb felt an odd sensation over his left shoulder. Turning to check, he found himself hurrying to the upper deck of the ship. A dark ripple in the cloud bank below had begun to form in a westerly direction. The others joined him. None able to discern exactly what this odd phenomenon was. Now there's a cloud form I've never seen. This week is turning out to be full of first-time phenomena.
1: It's getting wider.
0: The clouds buckled and tore inwards upon themselves, erupting into a massive wave of turbulent cloud particles. Safe to say we're not going to avoid this one. Stork, wheel out the stratus plow. Magnus, swing the ship around and keep it right behind me. Time for operation? Cloud crash.
1: Uh, hey, me? What about me?
0: Mary, get on my shoulders. What? Without warning, Reb hoisted her aloft and handed over his pistol. Do not let go and do not stop shooting. Shooting? At what? A cloud thing. Now, let's ride some rain. What? Wait, wait. Ah! Reb leapt from the ship into open sky. Mary screaming at his sudden and seemingly inexplicable action. Blue particles swirled around the captain's feet, expanding and bursting into a thin rail of seemingly solidified air currents, leading straight to the incoming force. Reb drew his swords as they began to grind forwards at full speed. My guns loaded with compressed sky capsules. They split up cloud particles and stop them from maintaining their natural shape. If you hit it with enough of those, it might slow that thing down. Uh, right. Mary took aim and began firing, the two continuing towards the looming darkness on Reb's azure sky ray. Behind them, the dream had changed course to follow. Stork, I would very much appreciate the presence of the Stratus Plow in the next few moments. Rolling out now, Magnus. Stork pulled two levers set into the forward decking. A quick rattle of thick sky chain followed. The front hull section of the dream opening up to reveal a gargantuan steel plow.
1: Hey, hey! wait, I thought that thing was only for smashing ice. We're
0: improvising. The heat from the plow section might help split the cloudway to the port and starboard side simultaneously. In other words, we're gonna split it and ride it. Now keep shooting! Reb leapt from his rail, twisting his body sideways and creating a second, allowing him to gain a vantage point just above the dream. He spun his swords, forming two miniature wind funnels, and spun them towards the cloud wave, albeit with little effect.
1: Um, Captain, I don't think we're having much of an effect.
0: Your captain can see that, cabin girl. Boss, I'd get back on the ship if I was you. Noted! Reb kicked off from his rail just before it was swallowed by the wave, landing cleanly on the Dream's main deck. Everybody brace! The crew did so. The wave impacted. And all went dark. Leagues from Reb and the crew lay the site of the battered Transsky Bridge. Amongst the various repair teams lay someone who did not belong Walker Silver. The young captain of the Crash-Coin Pirates who had dared cross swords with Fantina Bueller, He had discreetly entered the ruins of the first fallen support tower remains. Here. Right here. In this modern monstrosity. My very birthright. He bent over a tiny patch of golden smoke, missed by the workforce as part of the damage to the tower itself eyeing it like some glorious treasure. Walker popped open a small capsule, collecting the smoke within. How long has it been? How many generations of the silver flag have come and gone? The smoke cascaded within the confines of the capsule, glimmering faintly as Walker gazed upon it. Exquisite. End Chapter 2. You have been listening to the vocal talents of Luvian Chen, Christine Choi, Elliot Glasser, Paul Hughes, Ali Smith, Liz Moray, and Michael Page. Promotional photography by Daniel Wright and Eleanor Jameson Chang. If you enjoyed our work and would like to support our creations here at Page Productions, then please turn your attention to the video description to see how you can help us in continuing to offer wholesome and exciting fantasy content. Without you, we would not be here. Thank you for your time. And hashtag, never give up. Look forward to our next episode.